Triple M's Real Football Show. The biggest names and the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, welcome to the Real Football Show today. Legendary Italian Alessandro Diamanti is going to join us. Uh, this is on the back of the European Championships that we've just watched. Uh, uh, he is currently playing for Western United, but of course has had so much experience over there in Italy. Played with many of the players that played in that final earlier in the week. Uh, former New Zealand international Glenn Dodds is going to join us. This is a big story for South Australian football. Adelaide City celebrating 75 years of existence, would you believe? One of the real original clubs here and most successful clubs in Australia. And, and the great story is it was formed by Italian immigrants just at the end of the Second World War. So plenty happening today on The Real Football Show. Players on both sides, no matter how experienced, you want to get a good, clean, early touch, work your way into this match. Carroll loves to come deep and has done that in set England on their way. Rolf Trippier. Looking for a fantastic start here. Sure! Albie Kid, Val Miliaccio, what a final we saw in the Euros earlier this week. In fact, what a great tournament it was, Albie. Yeah, I was delighted. Absolutely delighted. Yeah. Um, but what a good game. Uh, seriously, it was a smashing game. Uh, Italy, you know, fantastic keeping the ball. When you think about England, it's, um, you know, uh, the, the coach, the manager, put out um, eight defenders in the starting 11, which uh, set the pattern for the game because it was... You know, he was lacking, uh, you know, people penetrating and all the above. But look, Italy goes, it went to penalty kicks. It's a lottery when that happens. But you know, a lot of things that we need to speak about, you know, the penalty kicks, you know, you would expect your experienced players to put their hand up and step up to the plate and take a penalty kick in um, mm. a very, very, um, you know, big game in the Euros there. But they put up the three 19-year-olds yep. and, and basically the three of them missed the penalty kick. So I thought it was... a. Uh, a very, very bad thing for, for the England manager. Gareth you know? Southgate got Gareth it wrong. Gareth Southgate, yeah. Um, he got a lot of things wrong, actually. Well, he did the substitutions as well. You know, you, you, you could, look, it's easy on the sidelines picking things or watching the television, but Henderson's, a, you know, a, a master in taking penalty kicks. He actually put him on as a substitute and took him off. Now, as soon as that happens, I always there's always question marks where the coach has made a hasty decision mm. 
He's, he's obviously thought Henderson's not doing the business. However, he's forgot to take the penalty kicks into consideration. Mm. So uh, there's Val, a lot of things I, to do. Can I just tell you that as a Scotsman, Albie was visibly upset at England losing in the Euro. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Visibly. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, you as an Italian, what did it mean to you? Oh, it was fantastic. And, and not only that, the tournament for me has been the best international tournament I've seen in my life and I've been around for a long, long time. And, you know, I think... It was only really one disappointing game, and every every other game was brilliant. A new style of football has emerged, and and it's nice and strong. Spain for me, World Cup twenty twenty two. The Italians are really strong, and I think South American football mm. is suffering at the moment. You're saying a new style of football? Elaborate on that. What it's possession based, and and I mean, you saw the final. The Italians they they kept possession. They didn't attack until. The coast was clear in all ends of the park, so they didn't want to get caught in a counter-attack. Yep. So don't just release the ball at the front, right. have a shot, and mm-hmm. get done at the back. All right. So it's it's all tempered. There's, there's timing and, and the tactics, the coaching. Spain is another team that did the same. There's a confidence thing there as well, Dits, Val. You know, they've, they've won 30-odd games, 33 games, I think it is. 33, yeah. Uh, on the trot. You know, that's a good side. You know, you just even if, if you're playing mediocre uh, opposition, you know, to win 33 games on the, on the bounce, you know, fantastic, must be fantastic confidence going into that game against England. And they've proven it. You know, the, 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 they come out the winners and really deserve to win, Val. Well, they had their wake-up call back in 2017 when they got knocked out of the World Cup, the 2018 World Cup by Sweden. And I was there at the start of the run watching Italy play Bosnia-Herzegovina in 2019. And you can see that the new style of football, the new confidence... And the way Mancini has actually got them to be an actual team. And, and they're just a side that will fight hard for each other. And they're going to be hard to topple, I think, in the next few years because there's some players that didn't even make that squad because they're injured. And uh, they've got some better players in the, that were actually at the tournament. But Southgate, Gunnar Southgate, the, the manager, the coach of uh, England, you know... It's really got to, we've really got to discuss this because if Mancini was coaching England with the, with the amount of talent that's in the England team and Southgate was coaching Italy, I think England would have won. That that's how, that how serious smashed. it is. That, you know, the, the coach, the Southgate uh, situation there was, it looked like he was bamboozled with the, the decisions, you know, and, and I've see, seen his direction on the sidelines trying to get players to push up. There's nobody listening to him. You know, honestly, Gee, they got to the final. Well, yeah. I'm going to tip something. <laughs> yep, yep, they did. No, seriously. They no, got, they, they did. had a great right. tournament. Without, and they're, they're a penalty kick away, two penalty kicks and, away and, from winning the tournament. Well, they shouldn't have. They, they actually, the penalty that Sterling got was never a penalty. Against, there, was, there was a ball on the pitch, two balls on the pitch. Against Denmark. Against yeah. Denmark, right? So let's not go there. They got to the final, right? But Gee, really, I, I honestly think, <laughs> I'm going to tip something. Shouldn't have been in the final. <laughs> I'm going to tip something. I think oh. Southgate will be replaced within the next three, four months. Oh. And, and you know what? I agree with Albie because if England had a decent coach who was tactically smart, they've got talent all over that pitch and they had so much talent on the bench. And you're thinking, okay, against the Italians, the first 20 minutes they dominated with the, with the two wing backs. The Italians didn't know how to react. They eventually got on top. But with a better coach, I think England should be much, much better than what they're showing at the moment. Mm. And, and Sterling, he's, stu- he's stuck by Sterling. Look, Sterling wasn't going to get a game for Man City. He, he, he got minimum time at Man City. He's coming to the England setup, right? There's a guy that should have been playing instead of Sterling. And, and 
and I must agree with everybody here. Sterling had a great, um, you know, three games probably, but in the final, he showed his colours. He never played that well. Grealish, for me, needed to play. He's on the bench. You know, he's never managed that well. And I keep speaking to you about that. So happy dressing rooms. Yep, and, yep. you know, I don't think it was a happy squad there. When you see the, the Italian squad, they're all in, in it for each other. You know, even on the bench, they've got Gianluca Viali, who's a bit of a character. You know, with, with the coach, Pellegrini. You know, uh, sorry, uh, Mancini. Fantastic. Mm. There was a, a good culture Desire there. I want to make a comment about the style as well. Now, uh, earlier, the day before, we saw Argentina beat Brazil. Yeah. Uh, so Lionel Messi gets his first ever major trophy. It was a game of people laying on the ground and falling over as opposed to a game in Europe that was just good football. And it was, it was annoying. The difference between the two was actually really annoying. And I'm sorry, but this has been going on for decades now. And FIFA really, really needs to do something about the look of the game because what we saw in South America was just, a, a, to yeah. me, it was not a spectacle. It was terrible for two great sides, great nations, too interested in rolling around and falling over as opposed to playing football. You made a good point, Dits, but, um, you know, and I was amazed when I watched the game in America, the Copa America, the, the actual physicality of the whole game was probably 50% stronger than in Europe. The players in, in the uh, Europa, uh, sorry, uh, Europe, what was it called? Euro. Euro. The Euro, sorry. Um, honestly, half the physicality in the, the uh, America was unbelievable. Yeah, but I thought when in Euro they were playing football, though. Yeah. Well, they, they were allowed to play football because, you know, everybody's, all the referees are pulling up. Well, what fouls. would you rather see? What would you rather watch? Football. But how do you, how do you stamp it out? From the top. FIFA H- has how? Um, how? referees. Through the refereeing. Val, even at a local level, I, I, I know we, we'll talk about I this an incident last until night. the day we die. Players that lay... And you know what? It's too costly. Referees have got to be smarter than when a bloke rolls around the ground holding his leg, a yellow card's given, and then he gets up and runs on and sprints to the next ball. That has to stop. I'm sick of it. It's been going on for 100 years. It's got to stop. Well, there was talk many years ago that IFAB were going to introduce a rule where if a player gets injured, he comes off. And he stays off for a few minutes and you can't replace yeah, it. Yeah, and it's a good so role. So it has to be Play a serious a man down. Thing. You know what they do now? So we're getting off target, off topic, but what they do now is the player, if the trainer comes out, you know you've got to go and stand on the sideline. They allow them back on immediately. I'd be saying, yeah, mate, you've got five minutes. They've tweaked that. they tweaked Once that rule. You, I'm, I'm watching local games. The players come straight back on after they've rolled around on the ground in agony. Well, mate, you're off for five minutes or maybe ten minutes. And then you can decide, am I injured or aren't I? And one of the biggest culprits, and I love him as a player when he's got the ball as Neymar. Yeah. He is the role model for football. So why hasn't the world woken up to that? Why aren't they doing but something about it? But why does he do it? it? He, because he actually annoys me watching, doing it. Watching one game in South America as opposed to the other game in Europe, they were chalk and cheese, and I know which game I want to watch. So you're, look at, you're talking about um, a, a global refereeing standard. Yes. That's what you're speaking yes. about. It's and I start agree with you, that's because it was a lot different game Neymar and Messi, the fouls that were on Neymar and Messi was incredible. Yeah. And in and, and, and Euros... Referees weren't strong enough. In Euros, somebody would have been sent off for the challenges that they put on in there. But yeah. I think South American football has fallen way behind. I mean, Brazil won the last <coughs> World Cup in 2002. I don't think we're going to see a South American team win it for a long, long time because mm. of the way they're playing football. They've got some brilliant individual stars. Yep. And like you said, they carry on a little bit with the gamesmanship. Mm. And I think they're falling behind. 
What was really good about Italy as well, lads, was the possession. They kept the ball for something like 25, 30 passes. Yep. And, and again, you know, the, the, the modern day game, the go back was a lot, let's be honest about it. But the switch of play that Italy had and what and whatnot was fantastic. In goes Taladira. And Mullen on for Mori. They'll thank Taladira if something comes out of this. Mori has got Vanish ahead of him. He shoots and what a goal! Oh, that's some goal from Damien Mori! 23 minutes into the game! That's a goal dreams are made of for Damien Mori! No emotion on the face of Zoran Manich, but he knows that's the psychological blow. One of the great clubs in Australian football for a long, long time is Adelaide City Football Club in Adelaide, of course, and they're celebrating their 75th anniversary. Joining us from the club, the General Secretary. Sounds like he's going to war. The General Secretary, <laughs> Glenn Dodge. Glenn, welcome. Thanks, thanks. Guys. What sort of titles that? Uh, uh, it encompasses everything from cleaning <laughs> toilets right. to, to uh, you know doing contracts. Sounds like you everything. take dictation as well, General yeah. Secretary. That's very. What a great achievement, and it has been an incredible club in, in our history and in Australian history. Oh, yes, it's one of the iconic clubs of Australia, there's no doubt about that. When you think back that they were producing Australian players even before the um, uh, NSL started up. So, uh, And when you look at the quality of players that have come out of the club and what they've achieved in terms of uh, you know, competitions, uh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Is it one of the oldest clubs started by immigrants out of Europe? I'm, I'm not even sure about that. Yeah, but it's, it's certainly be up there. And one of the, I and mean, there's not too many clubs that go beyond 75 years. Um, I'm not sure who the original, you know, club that came out of Europe and started up. You, you don't know a lot of those may not have been registered in much of that time. Zoran Matic, his era at the club was that was that the sort of golden era of the club? Was that the best times? Uh, were they the best times? Well, I think in terms of the NSL or national presence, they were. But they've been very strong before that in the state league. They you know dominated the slate. State League for a, a number of years. Yep. So, but when the NSL started and uh, and then you know, they, we, you know, when I was playing, I think we won the cup for the first. That was the first sort of win we'd really had at that level. And I, uh, uh, then following that, Zion came in about a couple of years after that. And then from then on, they really that's when they gay you know won about three competitions and uh, did very very well. When you say Glenn that uh, the the raised good players and whatnot, you know there was a time where there was six or seven of the lads playing in the Australian team. That must have been unbelievable, unbelievable record probably for the for the club. But to have that many involved in, this, in an Australian team at that at one time, yes, hundred um, percent. For those listening, you know, around the nation and internationally, uh, say the the Vidmar brothers, Aurelio Vidmar, Tony Vidmar, Milan Ivanovic came from Vanovic. there. Alex Tobin, yeah. John Aloisi, um, John Aloisi, yeah. Joe Mullen. Yeah, yep. and you had uh, John Moriarty was the first uh, Aboriginal player to play for Australia. He came out of uh, yep. Adelaide City. Fantastic. I've often asked people like Albie who come here from overseas, you know, who is the local fella that you thought really, you know, lit up the park? Who could have played internationally or overseas perhaps? And Johnny Perrin's name always no. comes up. Yeah. Well, I'll say categorically, um, uh, having played with them, that... Uh, I thought he was the best player and the ability, absolute, no doubt he could have played at any level mm. uh, overseas. Um, and I'm not sure why, because I think he got offered uh, opportunity to go, but you know things were a lot different back then. Uh, but certainly, technically, yeah, he, he, was, he could still do things with a ball that I dream about. So yeah. 
Um, no, he was a, he was certainly one player, and another one you can take like Zabika, uh, the goalkeeper. He he could have played anywhere overseas. Uh, he was to me one of the outstanding keepers that were was uh, came from Australia that played mm. for the club. Mm. When you go back the years, lads, and you, you speak about West Adelaide and Adelaide City, there was only two clubs in the state when I come here. Eighty-seven, you played before me as well, Glenn. But you look at the two players that were always mentioned was Johnny Pern, as you've mentioned, Dits, and the other one was Nick Plantellis. Yes. How yeah. good was he, Glenn? Yeah, he was again, again that similar quality, and they, I think, they put him in the same sort of. Uh, space that uh, uh, JP was um, and they used to have a lot of battles between the two of them I believe uh, but, Big rivalry uh, there yeah, for sure Yeah, yeah it was uh, good So what brought you out to Adelaide because three years after you signed you played at the World Cup for New Zealand and you actually helped knock Scotland out by uh, scoring two <laughs> oh, goals yeah, yeah, yeah. and a 5-2 win that, please. Right. Come on. but what, what, got you, what got you to Adelaide? Um, <laughs> well in fact I was heading up to Hong Kong to play I'd Qualified as a physio and uh, I was heading to Hong Kong because my brother was up there to play professionally up in Hong Kong. And uh, through my father, uh, con- contact and rally was coming to, to Adelaide. So they paid my airfare from New Zealand to here. So I, anybody's paying your airfare, you always take the, take up the offer <laughs> and a free accommodation. So I came and uh, and there was a, uh, my great overseas journey went four hours and I never moved <laughs> on. So, yeah, then they offered me a contract and at the end of the day, I took the contract. And you've stayed here ever since? Yeah, 42 years or something. Which is unbelievable. Mm. And now, like, you're leading the club into a new era because Adelaide City obviously had to pull out of their old National Soccer League back in 2003 because it was financially a disaster. And the club I thought was going to fold. I thought it was going to pack up and go home and that was the end of it. And now slowly it's chipping away and coming back. So what's what's the future of the club now? Well, I think you've got to acknowledge uh, uh, Bob Tatabi's effort and best of, you know, because without them at the time, you can argue how they went about the methodology, but at the end of the day, he put his hand in his pocket and the club has got the facility at Oak, uh, at Oakton because of Bob and, and the uh, the money and the investment they put in at the time. So the club has always got to acknowledge the fact that they are here because of that, because West Adelaide at the time fell over because they didn't have that sort of commitment to the club. Um, going forward, it's uh, I, I've been involved now. Well, I've been involved for a long you know, forty years, but uh, 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 as in a more administrative role, um, it's about getting our culture back. Now, I think we, a lot of clubs have lost culture, and culture takes time to re, uh, reinstate. And uh, and you've got to have a strong base. If you don't believe your your junior set up and you and have a strong base. So there you can f- uh, filter that through. And then you're just going to be turning over. You're going to have ups and downs. You're not going to have that consistency. And you won't uh, – because the, your juniors are you know, potential. You know, I've set myself uh, the KPIs of deliver, uh, delivering 60% of our players into the club. Uh, first team? Into the first team. I think that's a realistic get in, in our environment. You're always going to need about 30 or 40% of other players to come in to be you know, successful. But uh, and you've got to have that pathway, and and it's so important to to show loyalty. So many we we don't have that anymore. We don't have people playing for the club and playing for the culture of the club, and having a good culture in the club, and that's a, a vital ingredient to be successful. I've noticed that that turned, and it coincided, I think, with the state federation system getting stronger and and pulling kids out of clubs, yeah. and then they're coming out of the system and the. The children probably through no fault of their own were hocking themselves off rather than sticking to the club that actually they started with. Yeah, I think oh, that no, that's, that's played a big part, I think. I think you've also recognised that the environment outside a club is not as good as a, it's very cutthroat. 
you, you've, and you've, with junior players, you, they'll go through transition periods where the, you've got to be support them. They can be still within the club because then they come. You've only got to take like people like uh, Tony uh, Tony Vidmer. He was a JSL player for two or three years. Yeah, here he is. He's coaching the Olaroos. He's uh, assistant to uh, Ange. Played professionally in Scotland. There's so many players, and even uh, age uh, Pellegrino. Again, it was in the J. Now, if you didn't support him, you cut him, right? They would never have made uh, professional leagues. So, we, so when you go into, and I'm critical, not being critical about uh, you know, Adelaide United and that environment or the federation, but it's not a, you know, it's too cutthroat. So you have to have that flexibility. In a club, you do have that flexibility, and you can help grow with the kid. And and, the, and there's a sense of um, history and belonging, so they belong to something. It's like a family. Uh, and and that's that's what gets lost when you go out out of the uh, out of that system. And when you go into the other states, all their development systems are through clubs. Glenn, you can see the difference in Adelaide City over the last probably 14, 15 months there. Yourselves, you've come in yourself and, and Greg Griffin's in, in there as well. The, the club's in very, very good hands. Moving forward, there's a second division on the horizon these days. Yeah. Is that going to be part of the the plan for Adelaide United, Adelaide City? You've got to have ambition, and ambition is to, to to play at the highest level. So, absolutely, we've got an ambition to play at the highest level, um, but it has to be it has to be done in a way that's uh, achievable, uh, and that means financially achievable. And as I said, we, you know, we know what our current budget is in in, in, st- you know, in local state competitions. To go to that league, you're going to have to add another mil minimum. So if you haven't got a sustainable model to keep the on, all you're going to do is go in and come out. Secondly, there's got to be a goal of going further to the A-League. So if there isn't that facility to get into the A-League, then why are you going in there? You know, you're just providing an environment made to give kids better better uh, competition. But if it's there's got to be a plan going to play in the highest comp. It raises a question for me. Would you leapfrog the second division and try and go straight into the A-League? Potentially, but it comes back to the same thing. Is it financially uh, achievable? Yep. yep. I mean, but I see, I see no reason to go into that second league personally. And I don't want to be negative about the sport yeah. in this country, but um, you talk about sustainability. I'll be really interested to see which teams and or which clubs can do it around the country and how long they last in it. Uh, I would, if it was me, I would only be interested in the A League if they were looking at expansion. Which is fair. Yeah, yeah. But there's a distinct difference with the, the second division and the, the first, of, well, the A League, because the, the second division would be predominantly part time football players. In the A League, it's full time football players. So there's a, a there's a mass. I hear what Glenn's saying there. The sustainability of the whole thing is very much in question. Yeah. It is. Yeah, but the trouble is, you look how many uh, going back in the A League, how many clubs have come in and gone out. Mm. You know, because the reality is, you, you look at population, you've got to look at uh, the resourcing of it in terms of uh, sponsorship market. You know what it's like, and even Adelaide trying to. We're all fighting for the same yep. sponsors, yep. so it's it's, and we're we're fighting against uh, you know yep. Major Cody, which is a uh, AFL. So it, it's a it's very difficult to to sustain that over a period of but, time. But head should have rolled up. I mean. You Whoever th- was the genius that thought Townsville should have a team <laughs> and whoever thought Central Coast and Newcastle should have teams down the road from each other. Who was the genius that came up with that concept? They've won championships, by the way. Yeah, they have. Where's Townsville now? Yeah. Dead. All right. And what are the crowds at Central Coast are getting? About the old New Zealand Knights. Uh, mm. uh, shh, 
Don't mention New Zealand. Now, uh, let's talk Adelaide City. Uh, what, uh, what, have you, what celebrations have you got planned for the 75th year? Well, we've got our, our 31st, uh, on the 31st of this month, we've got uh, a gala um, ball at the yep. Entertainment Centre. Um, COVID has affected some of our guests coming from Sydney, but we've got like John Aloisi coming down. It, it'll be a great night. It's going to be a f- reflection of, uh, we've got uh, a lot of video and uh, f- footage of the pre-NSL stuff, so that to educate people. Yep. Then we'll do the NSL, post-NSL. There'll be, we've got car raffles, we've got a comedian coming. I was going to say it'll be in black and white, but it will be. Anyway. <laughs> so any so other colour, dark blue, dark blue, because that, that was our what original, about the, one what about of our the year when you had orange eh? in the uh, black and white strip? Do you remember that uh, brief period as well? Yeah. Yeah, it was brief. <laughs> it was brief, wasn't it? Yeah. Isn't that your away kit? Yeah, orange. yeah, every year. I mean, mate, we're not like Collingwood. We, we have one away kit so we can sell something. Glenn, I must be remiss of us not to mention this, but you played in a cup final last night, Ad- Adelaide City versus uh, yeah, Olympic. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, lads, magnificent game. It's very, it was a very, very quick game. Best NPL game I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, the score was 2-1 for the Olympic. What did, what did you think, Glenn? Well, look, uh, first of all, you've got the two, for me, you've got the two best coaches in the competition. You play a, a modern, progressive game. You've got a good eye for uh, talent. Uh, they, they have no problem putting younger people on. They think they've got the, the ability. Um, so it was always destined uh, for, I think, a great game. Uh, I certainly I remember, for me, Paul has been the, the, the right pick for our club. He's got a vision for the future and he's got the right sort of skill set. The game was a great credit to both of them. Um, you know, uh, to, in the first half, quite frankly, I mean, so their, their keeper... Unbelievable. He, he, made, you know, he made at least three, you would have thought, you know, uh, uh, saves that would have been goals. Um, and that would have changed the, the, the game. Again, uh, in the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, I thought we dominated and we had another couple of chances. And then uh, George's boy, Jason, scored a ripper of a goal. You know, fantastic technique. <sighs> what a goal. You yeah, need to see that, guys. Yeah, Watch yeah, it. Yeah, great goal. I was there, mate. And, yeah. And I'll that, speak to and that, and that changed <laughs> and we lost a bit of shape and then got caught a bit defensively on a couple of things and, and very credit to them both, uh, to, to the Olympic. They, they, they end up winning. And, uh, but a great, uh, a, 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 you know, it's, Obviously, we're disappointed that we didn't because we want to win. And I know Paul would be devastated about not winning. But it's about where we're going. First of all, we're playing a brand of football, I think, is the right sort of brand of football. I've, we've got the right personnel involved. And when we've got a vision for the medium long term. It's no use being in a final one year and being uh, looking at relegation the next. Glenn, I spoke to you after the game and uh, you were disappointed, as you would expect. But uh, it's all about, you You mentioned it's all about taking chances. Your lead-up play was fun. Fantastic, but have you had you had um, you know better finishers or or people with their eye on the ball and not going against a, a, such a good goalkeeper as the Olympic yeah. goalkeeper, I think it would have been a different game, mate. Yeah, I think when you look in the way they, they you know, again, it's all right, you sit back and we're all uh, you know, experts at the end of the day. Um, uh, the, when they were, when a keeper like that, you probably wanted to lift those balls when they were looking for corners because it's a lot easier than the same. You can argue the penalties in the, the, uh, in the, the Euro. Keepers go down easy. They don't go so up so easy. And he was a big. You know, he got a long reach, but yeah. you know, if you if they'd lifted that about you know three or four feet when they went for the corners, I think you would have the result would have been a bit different. But uh, credit to them, credit to the keeper. He made some fantastic saves, and uh, you know, that's football, mate. You can have seventy percent possession if you don't put it in the back of the net. You know, you can lose one 0 That's that's the life. Glenn Dodge, General Secretary of Adelaide City. Good luck with the seventy-five year celebration. Thank you very much. If Diamante scores here. 
the shootout is over. Italy are into the semi-finals. England eliminated. And the Azzurri, after dominating the match itself, have prevailed on penalties. A real thrill for us now, men. Joining us on The Real Football Show, a fellow who's been there at the highest level, has played in the Euros, has scored in the Euros himself. He now plays in Australia for Western United. Alessandro Diamanti, good morning. Good morning, good morning. How did you enjoy the Euro final? I very enjoy. I'm not enjoy. I'm very enjoying. <laughs> Unbelievable. Beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> moment. What, what, Beautiful. Did, what did you think, Alessandro? Because, I mean, you were, you were in the part of the tournament in 2012 and, and, it, and it came down to penalty kicks. And one of your yeah. penalty kicks knocked England out. England went, Italy went to the final. The result was unfortunate thrashed by Spain but what did you think when this final became England-Italy on penalty kicks what was going through your head? I was very confident I was very confident because I think Italy deserved to win so the god of football uh, uh, do its job so uh, I was very confident I was very confident no worry and uh, that's it Uh, well good Done good. Alessandro, um, I'm a fan already. Having been um, advised by uh, Val that you scored against England, being a Scotsman and putting England out, I'm a fan already. (laughs) Okay? I'm a fan already. But anyway, look, I'm I'm just... um, We watch the A-League. We we do a bit of commentary on the A-League as well. And, uh, mate, I've got to applaud you because I see you as the best player in, in the A-League. I know you're getting up in years and it, all, it comes to us, comes to all of us through time. But um, how are you enjoying playing in, in Australia? I really enjoy, honest. I really enjoy because, uh, because it's, uh, for me, um, it's very enjoyable football. It's very, it's very organised. Uh, uh, I travel a lot, uh, so I can discover also Australia. Look, uh, it's, a, it's a very good time for me here because uh, I have uh, uh, the respect to, from my, my teammates, uh, all environment of football in Australia. So this is, uh, is uh, giving me very, very, very proud. So I want to just enjoy football, try to, to give something to... To, to the people around me and share my experience and my, my enthusiasm to everybody. Alessandro, uh, Mark Rudin, um, been uh, released by the club, a good friend of ours, uh, been playing for Adelaide United through the years. And uh, uh, are you disappointed for that decision that the club's made? I'm not disappointed. You know, uh, the, in, the, in the football environment, uh, when uh, the result uh, doesn't come, uh, so... You have to change some things, uh, and uh, so the club uh, decide to 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 change coach. Uh, we have to follow the decision to the to the to the club. You know, in the in the football, you know very well uh, the first uh, the first responsibility is, is is always the coach. So yes, uh, yeah. you you cannot change twenty five player or or something like that. You have to change one man. Alessandro, I want to go back to the Euro. Now, yeah. in, in your situation, it was a, a quarterfinal match. You played yeah. England. You had Joe Hart in goal. Yeah. When, when the manager comes to the players 
to decide when does the manager come to the players to decide who takes the penalty kicks? Is it before the game and after? And then when you do get nominated, what goes through your head? I mean, at, there must be this immense pressure, which I can never imagine. No, pressure, no, because you are very focused to do your job. But I always in my life, I, uh, I've been uh, 15 years captain in Italy, so I have a big, big personality. I want to shoot the penalty. I want to, I want to shoot the last one because... Uh, I say, oh, get the glory, or I get the the shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's big, yeah, yeah. It's a black or white. I don't want a gray. Don't like uh, my life is not gray. It's a white on black. So, so it's it's went good. So no, no, it's my decision get the the last penalty because in my club uh, always I shoot uh, I shoot the penalty. So I I felt very confident uh, to score. And also because. Uh, because uh, because uh, John Hart is very friend to Robert Green, who was the second uh, keeper in yeah. England. And, uh, Robert Green played uh, with me in uh, West Ham, so I I was the penalty shooter. He knows where I shoot uh, ten penalties that he are in uh, the right uh, in uh, the left uh, side. So it's what it was very easy shooting the right. That's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Mate, uh, I'm going to ask you a question on yeah. the, the managers, uh, Mancini versus yeah. uh, Southgate. Uh, would you yeah. agree that uh, Mancini won the tactical battle there? Look, uh, I, I don't know because uh, I know... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, because I don't know. I don't know how to get like a coach. I know Mancini. Mancini is the first man. Uh, he's the first man who won the, this uh, European Cup. He's the first man. Believe uh, he's the uh, first man uh, create uh, that group, uh, that style, uh, that enthusiasm, that, uh, that uh, winning mentality. So the first man, uh, the first man uh, won uh, the the European Cup is Mancini. Is Mancini because. Uh, because uh, really is uh, make an unbelievable team. How long can you see this Italian team going? Because it's, it's a brand new era. Obviously, 2018 was disappointing. The team didn't make the World Cup. Where can you see this team going? And I've got to add that Spain, in my opinion, is an absolute powerhouse as well. Yeah, the Madei, Mancini build uh, building a team, uh, winning team for uh, for me for a lot of time, a lot of time. Maybe I don't know if I can win the World Cup. But the Italy, this important Italy is back. It's back like uh, five, six, seven years ago, because uh, during the the last ten years uh, uh, was uh, so and so. But now with Mancini, we have uh, we have uh, we have a chance. We have future. Um, the big thing also uh, do uh, this uh, done this uh, this uh, this team is uh, they have big connection uh, with uh, with Italian support uh, mm. with the Italian country. So this is for me is the is the best win uh, you can you can get. Alessandro also at this tournament. There were three teammates in this current squad that you had back in yeah. 2012, Bonucci, Chiellini and Sirigu, who, who didn't get any minutes uh, in goal. Yeah. Are you still in touch with these players? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Sirigu is, is, a, is, a, is a big friend. Uh, Chiellini and Bonucci are my brother. 
and my brother, we we always we are in touch uh, every every two three weeks. Uh, they are very good guys, uh, and they are champion. They are champion, and they show another time uh, uh, which they are. Alessandro, thank you so much for talking to us. We love having you playing here in Australia. Love it. Well done to sure. Italy again, and uh, we look forward to seeing you play many more times here on our pitches. Thank you, thank you, guys. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, mate. Alessandro Diamanti. All right, hot topics doing the rounds in the real football game. Uh, John Aloisi, what's the story, Val? Yeah, my mail is that John, who um, was a candidate for the Western United job among the top five, he was interviewed 10 days ago when I last uh, text messaged him, has got the job. He has. So 99.99%. Obviously, the club has to confirm it. So that's a big, big... Job for actually uh, John Aloisi. Good get, I think, for Western United, and it's good to see him back in the A League. Yeah. Albie? Don't do it, John. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> He's got a very, very steep. Look, <laughs> the, uh, to coach a soccer club, but you know. Mark Rudin's just left that club or, or sacked and whatnot. And it, it's just Mutual a precarious consent. position hmm. being in coaching. He's got a great job at Opta Sport there, whether it's a, a great job going forward. But if it is a great job going forward, John, stay where you are. You can't say that if he's got coaching ambitions, Albie. I mean, he did say it, but why? Well, one thing's for sure. I remember speaking to Ian Ferguson and Stuart Monroe that had two, they, had, they were coaching at a, a couple of universities or big colleges, earning a lot of money, stability all over the place. But they go back to Perth. What happened within a year? Sacked. But that's coaching. We know that. That it happens. Is, it is coaching. But, um, you know, when you've got a plum position like Johnny's got, and he's very good at what he does on the television, let's be honest about it. He speaks well yeah. about the uh, the game. He, he's got the board there, and he's tactically astute. Hmm. Um, I think, I just think that, uh, you know, a precarious situation. Well, I'll make a statement now. You'd get, rat, you'd get rats and mice to do that job at Optus Sport. If you're talking about, <laughs> no, if you're talking about the financial part of it, I'm serious. Yeah. There's no Bugs Bunny doing that job. Serious. Okay, well, it's you'll part, know better than me. Well, it's a little yeah. part-time commentary thing on the weekends. Let's move on. What else is making news, Val? <laughs> Last night, the Matildas, they're getting ready for the Tokyo Games. Mm. And this is not good. Okay, so they played Japan. They lost 1-0. And they face New Zealand next week in the opening game of their uh, group stage of Tokyo 2020. Yep. Under their new coach, Tony Gustafsson, five matches, no wins. And we're, mm. we're supposed to be a medal contender. Mm. All right, well, so we're, we're, in seri- we're in serious trouble. Yeah. Serious trouble. Mm. The Oli Ruse on Monday, and we spoke to Arnie last week on the show. Yep. Arnie said, we're in medal contention. We lost 2 near to New Zealand. We're playing Argentina in the opening game mm. of the Tokyo Games. Yep. Yep. He's, he's going to be playing New Zealand again, isn't he? Or because they can't play anybody else? Or Look, I think, don't look too much into that, Val. Um, no, I will. It's a warm-up. But really, the ladies losing five on the trot, well, that's a different matter because there's Why? obviously inconsistencies. What's that? Why? Well, five Why? on the trot is a, a big... They didn't lose five. So. They, drew, they, they had a draw and lost four. Right. But the... the no, Arnie will be on top of things, I would imagine. Argentina, he's... You know, he's, he's beating his, his heart when he's, when he's saying what he said last week on the show. Uh, saying that there's going to be passion there. They're only it's only Argentina. It's only blue and white strips. Um, How about Spain? Six of the Spanish squad well, that, that played at the Euro. Well, you know what? That's a, di- <laughs> that's the a Olympic di- Games. That is a different situation altogether. You got Pedri, 
player of the tournament the, at the Euro, the young, the young player, player of the, the tournament, playing, yeah. and Olmo, who actually absolutely destroyed Italy in yep. that semi, you think, wow. Mm. Yep, that's strong. Uh, a bit of player movement locally. Uh, Tommy Urich leaving Adelaide United. Yeah, it was always on the cards, wasn't it? Yeah, but a big loss for Adelaide. Massive loss, and and they've lost Ryan Strain as well. Yep. Um, in, and they haven't picked anyone up of note mm. at the moment, and they've let go of a lot of young players, and you can only point to financial circumstances because Tommy Urich and, and Carl Viet said he was a massive part of the plans, the best striker in the A-League according to Carl, mm-hmm. gone. Yep. It's beyond me, Val, and I'll say it again. You've got to have players with staggered contracts. Sign them for a two-year contract and then manage it to the hilt so that you, you're not in this predicament. Two of the best players have left the club, Juric and um, uh, Strain. Strain. Uh, and probably there'll be more to follow as well. A couple of players retiring or getting over the... Well, uh, Elsie's gone as well. Yeah, Jordan Elsie's gone in Newcastle. So Jets. how could that happen? There's no any stability there. They well, need to think, get well, staggered Jordan contracts. Jordan Elsie's an Adelaide born and bred player, bled for Adelaide United. Again, it came down to finances. What has gone on? Well, he, but it must be out of contract if it's come down to finances. It was, it, he came out of contract. He came out of contract. The other thing too, the, the three imports they've got now, you've got two 36-year-olds and a 35-year-old, mm. which is all well and good. We saw the Italians with a 36 and a 34-year-old at the back. But, hey, when you start building your team around ageing players, with all due respect, I don't think it's a good sign. Mm. All right. They are the hot topics. You've been listening to The Real Football Show. Enjoy your football in the week, and we'll do it all again next week.